0: Good morning. Uh, I need a hanky. Does anybody have a clean hanky that doesn't have boogers in it yet? Anybody willing to let me use it? I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to use it. Anybody? Old guys always have hankies. With my dad, yeah. Like I said. <coughs> Thank you. All right. So I have a hanky. I need uh, I need someone to come up here and help me. Um, Ruby, would you come up, please? Help me. All right. I'm going to do a little magic trick. There's you, are you, no camera tricks. Because the people in the room are going to notice it as well. All right, go ahead and stand right here. Smile at everyone. And they don't know. It's okay. <clears throat> I'm going to make this disappear. Do you think I can make this disappear? I can. I'm going to make this disappear. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this hanky. And you know it's not magic because I got it. I got it from somebody. So I'm going to take this hanky. I'm going to put it right here. I'm going to go, one, two, three. And it's going to disappear. It's not going to be there. Do you think I can do that? Okay, watch right here. alright going to count one, two, three, and it's going to be gone. And everyone in this room will know exactly where it is, but you won't. It's going to be magic. Okay, keep, keep, keep look right there. Look right here. Ready? Ready? Are you ready? Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Is that not amazing? Do you think I can do it again? Yeah, I actually have my own because I'm an old guy too. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? It's right here. Here we go. One, two, three. Where'd it go? We don't know where it goes. Everyone give Ruby a round of applause. Go, go ahead and sit back down. And ask your dad how I did that. I tell my kids that the meaning of life, actually, they're here. Hey, Caleb, nice and loud, what's the meaning of life? Tell everyone in the room. To love God and love other people. Very good. Thank you, Caleb. To love God. The meaning of life, I tell my kids, is to love God and to love other people. And and that's true. I I believe that. That's, That's the biggest commandments that God has given us, to love God and to love other people. But the Christian life is not just about being good. Like, that could be, like you, you could take the love God, love other people, therefore I'll just be good. I'll just be nice to everyone. This is what Christianity is about. I'm just going to be a good guy. There's a lot of good guys that don't know Jesus. And when that happens, when we forget that we have a mission, God has given us a mission. Yes. And we forget that, it's not that much different than reading scripture and the mission going right over our heads. We don't even recognize that it's a mission. We, we just go through like, Oh, you know, I'm good. I'm nice. I didn't I mean. I didn't say I, I gave him the one-way sign on the street. When he cut me off, I was telling him Jesus is the one way. I wasn't mean. <laughs> but that's not the point of our Christian walk. Today we're going to talk about the mission journey. If you have your Bible, would you open it to Mark chapter 6, please? Thank you, Dad, for this opportunity to speak to your church. See, we say that in our church, you know, we want to make disciples to make disciples. Our strategy to do that is to help lost people be found, found people set free. And free people empowered. Empowered for what? There could be a lot of answers to that. But one answer that exists for all of us is to be ready to represent Jesus at any moment. That's our mission. And if we fail to see that, it's going right over our heads. Let's take a look here in Mark chapter 6. Jesus, his words, every time I read the Gospels, I try to see... Um, how Jesus is consistently and really constantly uh, sharing the kingdom with his people. And he's going to share the kingdom with us today. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say, "Yeah." yeah. If you're just looking at the screen above me, say, yep. All right, yeah, that counts too. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. They loved their church. They loved, they loved what was happening. Where did this man get, get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and you know, Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Boy, does that not speak to our culture today? Man, everybody's getting offended about everything. We're in a cancel culture. You offend me, I expend you. Right. So they took offense at Jesus. Jesus is in his hometown, and they're like, what? what? He's, he's talking with all this kind of clout like he's the son of God or something. But his brothers are right here. We know his family. They're just normal people. He's a carpenter. What's he talking to him like? He's a son of God for. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Pure intentions. Imagine, just for a moment, the the feelings that Jesus would have. You know, he was fully God, fully man. So if he was fully man, then he had emotions. Think of the rejection he would have felt. He came there to help them. He had totally pure motives. We know that because he never sinned. Yet, rejection. He did everything right, yet was rejected. And so here we see... Out of this rejection, what does he do after rejection? He shares his kingdom with the people. Okay, I was rejected. Here you go. This is how it's going to work. I'm going to share that rejection with you. Continuing on, Jesus sends out the 12. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for your journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the the first point today. It's utilize what you have. Utilize what you have. I don't think this, this passage, based upon how Jesus said it in the other gospels, I don't think this passage, take nothing for your journey, I don't think it means empty out everything. I think the bigger, the bigger thrust is you don't need to go get more things. Don't, don't, go, don't go do a fundraiser and get more money. Come on. You don't need to stop and go to school before you're eligible. Come on. You don't need to stop and read 10 books before you're eligible. Come on. Right. Take nothing for your journey. Just go. Use what you got. Go. Just Just move. We can do that, church. You don't have to... This idea, and I'm going to get to there in a minute, but th- this idea that we're on mission, this is the way a Christian is supposed to live, on mission. On. It's not Christian level five. Come on. Like, you know, bonus round. Now it's time to do mission. It's what we're supposed to do from day one as Christians. It's supposed to live on mission. You're good to go right now. Moses said, I can't do it, God. You're calling me to do something. I can't do it. What, what do you want me to do, God? How am I supposed to do it? And God said, what's that in your hand? It's just a stick, God just a stick. If you know the story of Moses, he used that stick for a lot of things. God can use whatever's in your hand. So what's in your hand? What you are called to be empowered to is probably as plain as the nose on your face. So look, an opportunity can arise at any moment. And I really hope that we begin, yes, praise the Lord for that Bible. I really hope that That this week, God's going to give us opportunities. I believe it's going to happen. God's going to give us opportunities to represent him in the world around us. I want to better equip you of what to do, what to say. But you got to be ready. God has called you for such a time as this. And you have everything you need. One time I was asked to pray for someone and my first thought was, oh, okay, you know, they want prayer? Okay. And I looked to go find my dad. I looked to go find someone else to pray. And everyone else was busy. And I felt the Lord speak to my heart Oh no, you're called for this. Come on. I guess I should pray then. You're called for this. When God gives you that opportunity this week, you're called for it, man. Yes. You could do it. That's right. All right, Jesus continued. Uh, verse 9 Jesus says, Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. My paraphrase get your hiking boots, but not a dress shirt. Number two is this expect rough terrain, not an elegant reception. You're gonna need some hiking boots for this. Yep. You, know, you don't need a tuxedo, you need hiking boots. That's the right thing for, for when you're going on a mission. It's gonna be hard, it's not smooth sailing. Jesus just came, off, came into this out of rejection. He was rejected for doing the right thing, he was rejected. And then he shares the kingdom with his people. He shares that with us. Jesus was rejected. We're going to be. If we're doing what Jesus did, we're going to be. Reach it, Pastor Adam. That's a good word. Even though I don't like it, that's a good word. Thank you. We are in a battle. God is Real. And so is the devil. We are in a battle. You don't enter the battle at Christianity level 7. You enter the battle on day 1. It's part of becoming a Christian. Christianity without warfare is incomplete Christianity. Easy Christianity is missing it. It's missing it. Well, if you're going to say something like that, Pastor Adam, you better have a scripture to back it up. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> good idea. E- you're right. Ephesians chapter 4. Follow, follow me on this, okay? This is, this is, you got to go, go, go down a little road here. And at the end of the road, you're going to go, whoa. I hope I did. Ephesians 4. Uh, I'll read it on this off of the screen. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new and the attitudes of your minds. That's talking about becoming a Christian, right? That's talking about being saved. And to put on, everybody say, put on. Put on on the new self. What's the purpose of the new self? The new self is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we are to put on the new self. That's becoming a Christian. To put on the new self to look like Jesus. to To be like Jesus. What's God look like? Okay, the Old Testament in Isaiah something. Go ahead. Says This This is referring to to God. He put on righteousness. He put on. Everybody say, put put on. God put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. Those words were, if you've been a Christian a while, you've probably heard that referring to the armor of God in Ephesians 6. But here it is. Ephesians 6 was referring back to words used from Isaiah 59. The armor of God is not godly armor. The armor of God is God's armor. We are to put on God's armor. The other verse in Isaiah is referring to the Messiah. Uh, I think there's Isaiah 11. Maybe there's one before that. Nope. Okay. Isaiah 11 verse 5. Righteousness, referring to the Messiah. Righteousness will be his belt. And faithfulness the sash around his waist. These are words that then Paul turned around and used in Ephesians chapter 6. And he says this, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul then said, this is again two two chapters after he said, put on the new self, made to look like Jesus. What's Jesus look like? The armor of God. He's put on, everybody say put on again. Put Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's not godly armor, it's God's armor. Put on God's armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms." So in Ephesians, Paul says, put on your new self made to be look like Jesus. That's right. Put on the armor of God because you've got to fight. It's one idea. It's one idea. It's not meant, warfare is not meant for Christianity level seven. It's meant for Christianity level one. You become a Christian, you put on on. God's armor with a purpose. You don't wear armor to take a bath. You wear armor to go for a battle. (laughs) Thank you. To put on the new self created to be like God is not really that different than Paul's explanation to put on the armor of God. It's not godly armor, it's God's armor. We are to put on God's armor when we get saved because we have a spiritual battle. So, when you stand up for Jesus, expect rough terrain. Jesus said it was going to happen. When you stand up for Jesus, people will hate you because of him. Yeah. It's not you that they hate, it's, it's him and you right, that the, they will hate. They, they, they will hate you. You may lose friends when you stand up for Jesus, but stand firm. Stand firm on what's right. I'm going to skip that. Sometimes you got to skip parts of your notes because you prepared for two hours of a, for two, for a two hour sermon. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize it. <laughs> Mark chapter 6, verse 10. So he says, Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. That verse in some of the other gospels describes a person of peace. I think it's in Matthew, Jesus says, whenever you enter a a town, come to a house and say, peace be on this house. And if the people in that house receive your peace, cool, stay there and minister as long as you can. Uh, And and the King James calls that a person of peace. When you find a person of peace, uh, that's a person that's receptive to the word. Here's number three. Find those who are receptive and focus on them. Find those who are receptive and focus on them. We naturally look for the hard cases. You know, like, okay, well, Pastor Adam said this week I'm going to you know, represent Jesus to, to the world I'm in and, you know, Bob on the other side of the floor. Man, he's a jerk. That, I'm going to... If I lead him to the Lord, you know, it's going to be good. If he's not receptive, you're not doing the right thing. Come on. See if he's receptive. but, But... Jesus was not called. I put this on Facebook the other day. Jesus did not die on the cross to save everyone. He died on the cross to save anyone. You understand the difference? Come on. Anyone that calls on him yes. can be saved. Yes. But not everyone automatically is. Come on. He died on the cross to save anyone. And you're called to represent Jesus to those who will receive him, to those who are interested, to those who are receptive, to the people of peace in your life, you're called to to take Jesus to them and present Jesus to them and explicitly not called to take Jesus to people that don't want to hear it. See if they want to hear it, but if they're... Try again tomorrow. I'll break that up in just a minute. It's not your job to lead everyone to Christ, but it's your job to lead anyone to Christ who is receptive. A shape that helps me understand this idea, uh, just helps me remember, is an octagon. Can we put up the octagon? I think we got an octagon in yeah. the Yeah, there we go. There's this octagon, and the key to the octagon and uh, to this teaching is the person of peace. It's actually a, it actually looks like a keyhole. The, see, person of peace, isn't that cute? It looks like a, a key. So that's the key to Jesus' evangelism strategy, is going after the person of peace. And Because it's an octagon, you know, there's eight points. The first one is person of peace. This is the key to understanding God's strategy for evangelism. And it comes from this story right here. This is who we are supposed to minister to. So find the people who are receptive. I don't think anyone's ever been argued right into the kingdom of God. They've been loved into it. All right, number two, on the very top, we have perception. Perception. Perception is key to God's evangelism strategy. We have to sense God and see what God is doing. Do you believe that God has been working in other people's lives before you got there? Yes. Yeah. So be perceptive to that. Because that person who wasn't receptive last week may be receptive this week. So listen to what God's saying. How does God, every day, we should be li- to live on mission means that we're saying... How does God want me to behave right now? How does God want me to talk right now? My father-in-law says this sometimes, and I'm going to say it to you. When you're in a restaurant, do you suppose that God has things to say to some of the people in that restaurant? Do you think God wants to say something to them? Yeah. 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 If that's true, who do you suppose he's going to use to do that? Come on. If I had a mic that wasn't connected to my ear, I'd drop it right now. <laughs> he's going to use us. We've got to be perceptive to see what God's saying. Yes. The only difference is it, it, uh, God, God wants to use you to speak to other people. He does. Some of us are perceptive and listening. Some of us aren't. Maybe, maybe we all are. We're just... Not all at the same time. We're not always perceptive. Number three, presence. Presence. Where you are right now, your presence, where you are right now is always an opportunity to model Jesus, acting as he would act, speaking as he would speak. 2 uh, Corinthians says that we are Christ's ambassadors, we are to represent him. So be somewhere. Hermits do not lead people to God's kingdom because they don't see anybody. Be somewhere. So once you're present then, here's number four, once you're present, you can proclaim. Your words matter. Speak your words. By speaking a gentle word, testifying to Christ's work in your own life, your own testimony, proclamation may lead a person of peace right in front of you church was great yesterday. Come on. It's great today, isn't it? Yeah. So tomorrow you can say church was great yesterday. Come on. It's proclaiming something positive. I love what my pastor put on Facebook because it helped me in my life because it, because it made me think of this. Speaking a positive word can, of how Jesus has worked in your life may lead a person of peace right in front of you. <clears throat> There's two types of relationships that we need to be focused on but you deal with them very differently. On one, on one end, we have passing relationships. Yeah, passing relationships. These are people that you don't have a long-term relationship with, like like the clerk at Walmart or Kroger, right? But we are to represent Christ to them. So when we have passing, for passing relationships, we use daily opportunities. We're always looking for an opportunity, it's, I'm not saying every time you go through Walmart, you're like, hey, you know, are you going to heaven in the name of Jesus? I'm ready to lead you to Jesus right now. You don't have to do that every time you go to Walmart. But if they're receptive, be ready. Maybe all it is is a smile or, or a kind word. People need a lot of touches before they're ready. So in passing relationships, you, don't, you, 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 take, every, you take daily opportunities to represent Jesus. And then we have permanent relationships on the, other, on the other angle. Permanent relationships. And these are family members. People you work with. People you're with all the time. If you take daily opportunities to lead them to Jesus, you're just going to be really annoying. So don't take daily opportunities. Instead, use daily prayers. Yes. Use daily prayers and live your life uh, consistent for Christ. Until they're receptive. Here's number seven. Preparation. We are all, should be, if we live on mission, we are all involved in the process of evangelism. Cultivating soil and planting seeds in preparation for the harvest. More and more, our soil is being filled with rocks. You You can't take farm machinery down a rock field and not ruin your machinery. Before you even plant seeds, you got to go through and chuck some rocks. That's a lot of what mission work is, and it's beginning to be that way in America. you got to chuck the rocks. you got to prep the soil before anything can be, can be planted. It was assumed, ten years ago it was like this, and it's changing now, right? So Christianity for a thousand years has had an evangelism strategy where the, where the world around us had some sort of uh, idea of what uh, Christianity was. There was a general agreement that church is a good idea. You know, it, it's like like social like, like church. Yeah, you know that's what good people do. Church. You didn't have to explain to anyone why they should be good. They wanted to be good. It's becoming not that way. What what's sin? Like you think you're going to make me feel bad. What sin? I don't feel guilty about that. Because because the moral compass is so gone, we got we got work to do. Really, we got to chuck some rocks before we're ready to plant any seeds. It used to be all we had to do. Like people had religious dots in their life, sin. They had an idea of what sin was. They knew what being good meant. They desired to be good. They knew that good people went to church, and all all evangelism was for the past thousand years was connecting those religious dots and showing how they pointed to Jesus. What do you do when the dots aren't there? You chuck rocks. You got to chuck rocks to prepare the soil. Preparation. Preparation. That's why we daily need to live on mission. That doesn't mean you're not on mission if you don't lead someone to Jesus. We're daily on mission because we're chucking rocks. We're preparing soil because the people around us need Jesus. Jesus. And the last, the last one of the eight is power. Power. This was a major thing used in the New Testament. When people experience the power of God, they quickly become people of peace. I don't care who you are. If you're not receptive to the Lord, and then you see somebody get healed in front of you, okay. You become very receptive. Read the book of Acts. Happened over and over. When people see a healing or experience a healing or experience the power of God, they become very receptive very quickly. So offer to pray for people. It's on God whether or not he, heal, he heals them or does that work. Offer to pray for people. Uh, I have a friend uh, last week or the week before. His name's Norman. It's not really his name, but I'll tell you his name's Norman. And he contacted me because he was having a hard time and he wanted to, to talk, but he's not into religion. I said, okay, I'd be happy to talk with you. Um, but, but don't give me any of the Jesus stuff. So I met with him and I heard about all his problems. And then I just looked at him and I said, why did you call me? I mean, you, you, you told me you don't want to talk about religion. You don't want to talk about Jesus. I want to respect that. So why would you call me? Like, you know who I am. You know what I stand for. Why'd you call me? He says, he says, something kept pushing me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that is? I, I was asking him. He didn't have those words. Right? We know that it was Holy Spirit. But I, I said to him, well, what was pushing you? Well, I don't know. I think, I think I know where you're going with this, Adam. And I just looked at him and I said, like, that was, my, that was my apologetics, the best apologetics. God took care of it. <laughs> like, that was my answer. Um, and he, I shared Christ with him. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. And I was out of things to say. And so my, I, my mind went back to this teaching. And I remembered power. People when they experience God's power, can be very quickly receptive. And the deal was in his life, he he was having a hard time. He didn't know what he should do in a particular situation. And uh, I thought back to this power, and I was like, okay, it's on God, right? I I don't have power. God has the power. So I said, Norman, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Go home, and I want you to ask Jesus. To you, it might feel like you're talking to a cloud, but just do it. Ask Jesus to give you peace of what the right thing is to do. Because he's the prince of peace, and there will be peace in your next decision. So ask him to give you the peace and see what happens. He's like, okay, I'll do that, because you spent time with me. I'll do that. I contact him the next week. It worked. He's like, yeah, I felt peace for for about an hour. I've not felt that for a long time, but it didn't stop. It stopped. The, the, The peace left. I'm like, well, you got a taste test, man. That was just a sampling. It sure would be nice if you got a free, a free ice cream cone at scoops, but you just got the sample. You got to jump in. He's not there yet. Would you pray, pray for him, Norman? Write his name down, Norman. I want you to pray for Norman because I'm going to lead Norman to Jesus. Yes, you are. He's, he's right there. He's experiencing the power of God. He, he can't argue. I tell him Jesus can give him peace. He's like, no, he can't. He can't say that no more. So just look for the receptive people. Can we do the whole, do the whole, give them the whole thing. There it is. So look for the receptive people. You always know they're receptive when they're in a change, challenge, or crisis. It's a matter of being present in your world. Be present. I'm not asking you to go to Africa. I'm asking you to go to school tomorrow. Come on. I'm asking you to go to your job tomorrow. Yes. On mission. Yes. On mission. On mission. Just be ready. But not everyone is receptive. Rejection or total disinterest is going to occur. What then? Jesus continues. Mark chapter 6 verse 11. And if any place will not welcome you, if any place will not listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off of your feet as a testimony Against them. That would have been a ceremonial act against them. Yes. I don't even want the dust of that on me. And you, you just go on. He specifically tells us that if somebody's not interested in the Jesus that we have, we are not called to keep pushing them, at least that day. We are called to walk away. Here's number four don't carry the dust. Of rejection with you to the next town. Don't carry the dust of rejection with you into the next town. When rejection comes, don't carry it with you. If you stand up for Jesus, you are going to be rejected. If you stand up for Jesus, more and more, 2020 and beyond, it's coming. Christians are going to be standing against what everyone else thinks is wonderful. Come on. The book of Revelation teaches that one day there is a one-world religion coming. All the religions will say, you know, as long as we're consistent with what we, we, we want to say, as long as we're consistent and you know we believe strongly on something, uh, then, you know, it's all good. It's all the same God. And Christians will be the only ones left saying, no, no. We're gonna be rejected if you stand up for Jesus. And if you live on planet Earth, you're going to have hurts. So, are you dusty? Are you carrying it around, carrying around dust of rejection on you? Are you carrying around dust of hurt from your past? You don't have to. That dust. Is not who you are. That rejection is not who you are. It's a part of your story, but it's not who you are. Be free. When we go through life, we get hurts and rejection, painful things occur. It's dust. We are to be free. That's a part of our story, but it's not a part of us. It's not a part of a free us. We're supposed to be free. I encourage you, if you've not gone through the deliverance process yet, I encourage you to do it. When people go through it, the dust comes off. They don't become somebody different, they become who they are. Because the hurt is gone, the dust It's gone from past hurts. All right, so they got free, and here's what happened. Verse 12 They went out and they preached that people should repent, and they drove out demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. I'm going to do that today. If you're in this room or if you're watching online and You've never experienced Jesus. He loves you, he has a plan for you. He wants to enter a relationship with you and guide you on the right path. You're never gonna be who you're supposed to be. You're never gonna be who you truly are, right? Because who you are is created in the image of God. And you're never gonna be complete in your identity without Jesus. Everything else is a substitute for Jesus being in your life. If you've never experienced Jesus, both online and in the room, if you would like to experience Jesus for the first time, would you raise your hand up high? And I want to pray for you. And you can raise your hand online as well. you never experienced Jesus and you want to. Lord, I pray for anyone who's raising their hand right now. Lord, as they receive you, as they believe who you are and they confess that you are the Savior, rose for them. Lord, I pray you would begin a relationship with them and guide them in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. The rest of us, could you stand with me? We're gonna sing this song as a proclamation of our partnership with God's plan. Lord, we will move with you.